from the enterprise team at Zoho, this is Business Unusual, the show about companies and their leaders who have achieved success by doing things their way. I'm Arun Srinivasan. And I'm Austin Reese. As your host, we'll be taking you through stories you've never heard, or stories you thought you knew, of entrepreneurs and business leaders who succeeded on their own terms, outside conventional business wisdom. Welcome to another episode of Business Unusual. We're back, and today we have an interesting story about, well, somebody who has doesn't have a background that's necessarily much different than probably most of ours, but somebody who built a billion-dollar company by, as you would guess it, doing things unusually. So today's episode, we are featuring somebody a lot of you probably haven't heard of, at least his name. But I guarantee you've heard of his company, and that is Kevin Systrom. Austin, do you know who Kevin Systrom is, or have you heard of him? So I'm sitting here trying to go through all the the founders of, of these big companies, and you know it's not ringing a bell. I know I should know this, um, but yeah, I can't make the connection. Well, don't feel too bad because you're probably in the majority. So Kevin Systrom is actually the co-founder of Instagram, along with Mike Krieger. So uh, definitely, I'm sure most of us out there have heard of Instagram and we know of the company and of the app. But uh, as was the case with me, I had actually never heard of Kevin Systrom or Mike Krieger before doing the research for this episode. You know, I, I've given up all forms of social media except Instagram. So oh. I feel like I should have I should have known that one. Yeah, I dropped Facebook and Twitter years ago. I, it was just too much for me to handle. And so I, I'm only on Instagram. So I, you know, the one that I have been loyal to, I, I feel like I should have, I should have done a little more research and found out who, who gave that to us. It's really interesting that you bring up that you've kind of stuck with Instagram. And as we go through the story, it'll make a lot of sense as to why you, as an example, have stuck to Instagram. And it really has to do with the things that that Kevin did that are probably counterintuitive to a lot of entrepreneurs and executives, but really worked in Instagram's favor. So uh, let's jump right into it. Yeah, that's, um, I'm excited to hear about it. So Kevin's story is probably not unfamiliar to most people, and nothing in his early days really stands out. He is from a middle-class family and is a Stanford grad with a degree in management science and engineering. Now, Kevin became interested in photography while he was in college and actually built a photo-sharing site for his fraternity brothers in his spare time. And during his junior year in college, he actually spent a semester in Florence to study photography. So obviously, there was an interest there uh, from a, maybe not an early age, but from a pretty early age. Now, at one point, Kevin actually obtained an internship at a company called Odeo, which is actually the company that gave rise to Twitter. And post-college, his actual first job was as a product marketer at Google. So Already, we can see that he was a really smart guy getting top-tier internships and, and a really great job at Google, which is, as most people know, is not an easy company to get a job with. Right. And already this early in his story, we're hearing, um, you know, referencing, you know, the big companies in, in that area. We got Google, we got Twitter. Um, so he's rubbing elbows, so to speak, with with the stars. Right. And, you know, thus far into the story, we basically see a smart kid who uh, is doing well in college, you know, went to Stanford and he's gotten a great internship and a good job. So nothing particularly stands out other than that he's a accomplished academic. But here's where we start to see 
things change a little bit. Now, when he went to Google to work, he said that he wanted to work at Google doing any job at any wage practically because he really just wanted to learn from the best people there. And, you know, that's pretty forward thinking for somebody in his very early 20s, right? And he said, he, you know, he really wanted to make a difference in the world. And one day in 2008, his boss told him that things were going slow in the office. So perhaps he should take a day and go golfing. Now, that was counterintuitive to Kevin's real mantra at Google, which was, I just want to keep learning. So he actually thought it'd be better for him to perhaps just leave. So he actually didn't make the choice to go golfing and decided to leave the company and do something on his own. So Arun, two things stand out to me on this little anecdote. First, his willingness to take any job at any pay. I think that's something interesting. Uh, coming from Stanford, being in Silicon Valley, I think a lot of people really aren't prepared to pay their dues, so to speak, and are, you know feel like maybe they're owed something. But right away, he wants to put in the work. He wants to learn from the best. And then second, I'm putting myself in his shoes when my boss taps me on the shoulder and, and says something like, hey, it's slow today. Why don't you take the afternoon and play golf? I think my computer is in my bag before he finishes the sentence and I'm out the door. Uh, and and he, he saw it as almost like a slap in the face and an insult. Uh, and so I think right there, yeah, that's two things that, you know, really unusual for him. That's a huge testament to that attitude. Like I think most of us would say, oh, great. Yeah, I'll take a half day. I'll go golfing or I'll, I'll do something that I love. And for him, I think we're starting to see that what he loved was to learn. And he had something bigger on the horizon on his mind from the very beginning. And he realized that maybe a company that's encouraging you know, personal freedom and relaxation at that point in his life was not something he really wanted to pursue. He was ready for something big. And so, you know, he left Google and one day on vacation with his girlfriend, they were taking pictures and she was really giving him a hard time about posting his photos on uh, the photos that they took on social media because she didn't think she looked good enough with the photos taken by the iPhone 4 that they had at the time. Now, Kevin, being innovative, decided to come up with a solution for this and he actually created a filter. And this filter is called the X-Pro2 filter, which is actually still being used on Instagram today. So again, another example of, you know what, there's a shortcoming or an issue and let me just come up with a solution. So again, a, a way that he is at a very early age demonstrating a sort of different mentality than most people. Yeah, it's so hard to remember those days, Arun, when we didn't have filters. It, it's kind of wild to, to go back to those days. You know, we're, it's 2021. Every image you see on the internet, on, on Facebook, on Instagram has a filter on it. But it's wild to remember that, yeah, it, not that long ago, uh, we all had the same insecurities about these photos. And, and he saw an opportunity and, and, and saw the problem that he wanted to fix. Definitely. And so... You know, he came came back from vacation and he decided to team up with Mike Krieger to build an app that they called Bourbon. Now, Bourbon allowed users to do a lot of different things. They could check into locations. They could make plans, which are basically like future check-ins. They could earn points for hanging out with friends. They could post pictures and do a lot of other things. And so they started working on this app. They developed it. And one day at a party in Silicon Valley that they attended with a lot of VCs, they were showing the app around and they actually managed to raise $500,000 from a couple of VCs at this party. So again, you know, his first delve into making an app 
And at a party, he's able to convince a couple of venture capitalists to put $500,000 towards this app. So there's something about him. There's probably a twinkle in his eye that they saw. As most venture capitalists would say, we we invest in the person more than the product. And so obviously, Kevin had something that was really going for him at this, this early stage. As we move forward, initially, as I mentioned, the app could do a lot of things, check into locations, future check-ins, earn points for hanging out with friends, post pictures, et cetera. But as he started looking at the user behavior, he noticed that most people were really only interested in using it for taking pictures and using some of the filters that he developed. And Kevin himself admitted that while he was using his own app, he was really more interested in the photos that people were taking and what they were showing than over where they were checking in and, and some of the other features. So Kevin decided to do what most entrepreneurs actually don't do. Instead of adding more to the app and going for more users and, and really expanding the capabilities, he stripped it away. He decided, let's simplify Bourbon and let's focus on the feature that everybody's using, which is pictures. So he ended up scrapping Bourbon and starting a new app called Instagram. Now, the name Instagram is actually a combination of Instant and Telegram. And on the day that Instagram went live, more than 25,000 people downloaded it. That's within the first 24 hours. In a week, they had 100,000 downloads. A month after launching, Instagram had grown to 1 million users. And a year later, Instagram hit more than 10 million users. So I think very early on after launching Instagram, clearly they knew they were onto something. Yeah. I'm kind of going back to his background here. And you mentioned his his interest in photography, the, the time he spent in Italy. And I think that's kind of interesting to how he kind of honed in on the photograph part of, of Bourbon, his first app. And I'm wondering, along with it just being the most popular feature, if it was just something he was drawn to because of his interests. And, and maybe it was a little bit of both, and it was just the perfect storm of everything. But it's really fascinating to hear that he did go the opposite route in this instance and, and didn't, like you said, try to add more features or try to make the things that uh, were on Bourbon better. But he said, you know, let's let's look at what's the best and let's look at what people are using, our users, and let's go from there and just start from the ground up almost. Yeah. And, and everything you just brought up here from pursuing his photography to simplification, we're going to dive into a little bit deeper because as we examine them, we realize that he really did the opposite of what a lot of people might do in a similar in a similar position. And so as we know, you know, Instagram grew and was originally founded uh, in 2010. So that's two years after he started Bourbon. And in 2012, he ended up selling Instagram to Facebook, as we know, for a billion dollars. Now, an interesting little factoid is that when he actually sold Instagram to Facebook, they consisted of only 13 employees. So when you talk about a model of efficiency of you know, expense to revenue or expense to value ratio, that's uh, absurd. <laughs> It's just insane. I was trying to do the quick math of how much that is per employee. Uh, it's almost unfathomable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a clearly several hundred, eight hundred million maybe per employee, which is which is uh, unbelievable. I sometimes wonder how much each of those employees walked away with on that sale. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, let's take a look at what he did specifically that really allowed Instagram to grow to a billion dollar valuation. And, uh, and as we dive in, we'll see that some of these things are, yeah, maybe they're intuitive, but they're not necessarily easy to go with and others are completely counterintuitive. So, you know, the first thing that we noticed is Kevin very early on pursued passion over pay. 
And we see that at Google when he rejected the idea of looking at time off and low work stress as an opportunity for himself. And rather, he saw it as, you know, I have a passion to learn here. And the whole reason I came to Google with this idea of any job at any pay was because I wanted to learn. And learning is not going home early and going to the golf course. And to leave a well-paying job at Google because they're not fulfilling that need is certainly counterintuitive, I think, to most people. And it illustrates that he was indeed pursuing a passion for learning over the pay or the, the comfort at Google. Yeah, you just said it, the passion of learning. And I think in many people's stories, what sets very successful people apart is is learning is a lifelong pursuit for these people. It's not something you do K through 12 and then for four years in college, maybe a master's. It's every day of, of their life. They're reading books, they're pursuing hobbies, new interests, something like photography, things like that. And yeah, it, it's it's just this kind of obsession with learning new things and it's never over. It's just, it's a constant for them. And it's interesting too. And, and you know, we see there's passion for learning, but then he, of course, when he left Google, he pursued his passion for photography to found, to include that as a major primary feature in Bourbon. And of course, later as the feature in Instagram. So took his passion for photography and made it into a career and a business and a company. Yeah. that It makes me think, um, I read a book a couple of years ago, uh, it's called Where Good Ideas Come From. And one of the points that this book makes is having these outside interests away from just maybe your major or like your career path. It's having these other things that you do. And it's a lot of times when you're trying to solve a problem at work, you pull from these other experiences or these other passions that you have. And this is a, a clear example of that. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting if we look at you know, a lot of successful entrepreneurs that they actually are pursuing their passion. And this this is evident over and over again, but it's evident in a rare way in the sense of, you know, there's not many entrepreneurs in the world that are growing billion dollar companies. Uh, they're not common, but we do see a common thread, which is that they're passionate about the pursuit of growth and of learning and of that thing that the company stands behind over the money aspect. I mean, the money's all, of course, always nice. And, and, uh, I don't think anybody's, you know, upset about, you know, raising, a, a, having a valuation of a billion dollars, but really the thing that allows them to grow a company to that level is that passion in what they're doing. Yeah. Arun, you and I are lucky to work at a company, uh, Zoho, who we see that, you know, firsthand. Definitely. Definitely. So continuing on with, with Kevin, what else did he do that really allowed Instagram to flourish? Well, unlike most companies who get a favorable valuation, he didn't do some of the most common things, which is, you know, he had a lot of offers early on in Instagram's, in Instagram's life, as far as offers to sell at very favorable valuations. And you know, there's some, there's certain things that companies do, a lot of them, as they start to get this favorable valuation. One is to go public, right? He never did that uh, until, of course, he sold to Facebook, but he never wanted to go public, you know, mainly because, and it's, it's very similar to what we do at Zoho, is, is having the flexibility of doing whatever you want to and not having to answer to shareholders or a board or, or, or anything like that. And when you don't have, when you have that flexibility to not have to serve shareholders, then you can really do anything. And, and the risk really falls completely on you. Yeah. That kind of makes me think of our, our last episode about Ellen Bennett at Headley and Bennett. And she 
the same idea of not selling when she had multiple offers to and, and just really not wanting to let go of her child, so to speak. And it's kind of the same thing here is like when you build something to these these people that we're you know looking into and profiling, it's more than just you know making a quick buck. It's their legacy, it's the passion, it's the work, it's all these things. And we see that even when he did eventually sell to Facebook in 2012, both he, Kevin Systrom and Mike Krieger stayed on with the company really because of the passion for what they're doing. They saw Facebook as a business that could support their dreams and their aspirations with Instagram rather than just a handoff. Here you go. Give me the money and let's get out of here. They saw Facebook as a financial means and a, a purely a manpower means of allowing them to continue to grow Instagram and the vision that they that they had. Right. Just kind of resources to, to make that next step. Now, one of the things that he did that I, I love, and I feel like so many of us get caught up in what we call like feature creep. You know, we continue to add things and add more bells and whistles. And one of the things that I love he did is he really kept things simple. And as we said, you know, with Bourbon, he stripped down all the features and really just went with photography, which was the core component of Instagram. And even beyond that, you know, if we think about it, Instagram never expanded beyond mobile. It's really optimized for mobile. Nobody uses or very few people ever use Instagram on a desktop or a PC or anything like that. It's purely a mobile app. And I think most people, most executives, if you were to, if he were to hire uh, a marketing executive, he or she would say, oh my gosh, there's a whole market that you're missing. You know, why haven't you expanded to uh, other devices, including PCs? People spend all day on their PCs at work, but he never did. And I think that is to the credit of Instagram. And, and that's what's allowed it to grow so big. Yeah. You bring up a great point about the simplicity and, and oftentimes simple is the hardest Thing to get to, I, like distilling something down to its simplest form, is what we're all trying to do. You know, my background is is mostly in writing, and I, I know from experience that you tend to overwrite. You tend to do more when you honestly don't understand something as much, and because right. it's like you're you're fishing, you're trying to put it together. You think you know, adding more will just really explain it, but it's it's the simple sentence, it's the simple idea, it's the simple product that speaks to people. Right. And I mean, with Instagram, it's very easy to understand all the capabilities in just a couple of minutes. Now, of course, there's other features. There's, you know, you can go in and customize your filters, things like that. But really, it's at its core, it's taking a picture, posting it for people to watch, look at, and looking at other people's pictures. And I think most people can understand how to use it within just a few minutes. And, you know, one of the things that Kevin says is behavior speaks a lot louder than words. And there's a really great instance in which, they removed a live filter and users voiced their outrage. Kevin said that when you looked at the data though, you noticed that really no one was using these live filters. And the lesson that he learned is that if you always cut what doesn't work and really cut the stuff that isn't popular and really focus on what people love, you're bound to be successful. And that's what he did. Despite what people said, he really put that aside and looked at how they behaved. And I think it's interesting because we we frequently and I, it's it's really hard to reconcile this. But as a company, you know, we all ask for feedback. What do you like? What don't you like? And you know, a lot of that we use to infer decision making. What features should we add? How should we change things? And really, he he did ask that, but then he looked at how they were behaving, and that is really what's more important, right? 
Yeah, he uh, he brought the receipts, as they say. He 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 knew he had the data to back up the decision. Of course, you know we we as people we love having options, but when offered many many options, we frequently only use a small portion of those options, right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's it wasn't a big decision, probably in, in retrospect to every decision he's made at that company, but it also I think shows a part of his personality where he has the intuition or he has the ability to make those decisions without giving in to pressure from from a few users raising their voice. And you know, he takes that behavior and looking at what people are really using a lot, what people love, and he really wants to expand on that rather than just taking something that works, he really wanted to look for something that people love. And I like this quote where he says, what kills most startups is that lack of a dark moment. Because you keep going, you keep going, and you're actually going sideways. You're not going up, you're not going down, you're just going sideways. You get a trickle of users in, you're working on something that excites people, but not that much. And the hardest part of going from bourbon to Instagram was actually realizing that we had to do something new that was truly exciting. And making that decision was one of the hardest parts of my, Kevin Systrom's, entrepreneurial career. And it is really interesting because you look at Bourbon and he, as he explains here, they were getting an increasing amount of users, volume of users, but there was just not a passion behind the user base for what he was building. And that is that sort of quote unquote dark moment is what led him to be disruptive in his own company and totally turn it upside down and create Instagram based on this one feature. Yeah, it's it sounds to me a little bit like not a big failure, so to speak, but definitely a, a moment of, you know, looking yourself in the mirror and just asking, like, are we doing the best we can do? And then the answer to him was no. And so that that is sort of like a moment of failure and realizing it and then deciding to start over. And that's a big decision. And it takes a lot of courage to to abandon something that's kind of working and to go into the unknown. Uh, awesome. You bring up a great point. And I want to actually read one more quote because it's really interesting and it gives an idea of how Kevin really looked at social media slightly differently than everybody else was looking at it at that time and leveraged his passion for photography to really fit Instagram into this world of social media on its own, sitting on its own with space to grow in addition to all the other social media platforms that are out there. And he says, there'll always be a world where people want to express the highlights of their life and save them and show them to their friends and their family and to remember them themselves. But that doesn't mean that there can't also be an experience that lets you share the on-the-go moments of your life that are excited, maybe just for a day. They aren't necessarily the things you want to hang on a refrigerator or a gallery wall. They're the sketches of your life rather than the paintings, and that's fine too. And if you're a moments company, if you think about the world in terms of these shared experiences, then both of them make sense to build and maintain together. There will always be a market for both of those. But ironically, it's almost riskier to not be risk-seeking. And that's not the way a lot of CEOs and a lot of boards think. And it's really almost riskier to not disrupt yourself. And I think that's interesting because I think a lot of people, even when you're pitching this idea, would say, well... We want to only see like the big highlights. Show me, show me the trip that you went on last year, not the amazing dinner you made last night. Right. But it turns out that we actually do want to see the dinner that you made last night and the trip to the beach or the lake that you went on yesterday and stuff like that. So I love that he was willing that he saw that. And as he as he saw that and the way that people behaved, he really decided to 
to put more resources into that. Yeah, I think what all executives and leaders can can learn from this and you know, executives from very large companies is that, yes, he only had 13 employees at Instagram when they started. So it's a lot easier to, to make those changes or to like change your vision based on what he saw fit. And, but I think executives can, can look at that and be like, you know, sometimes you have to act that way. You have to make it, take a risk and you, and you just have to go for it. Exactly. So what is Kevin doing right now? So in 2018, as I'm sure a lot of you know, both Kevin and Mike Krieger, his partner, they left Instagram over tensions, basically over the direction of the company. As the coronavirus outbreak spread in the US, Systrom and Krieger actually teamed up again on a new project called RT.Live, which is actually a coronavirus tracker that estimates the rate of transmission in each US state. You know, Recently, I've read that he's been approached this year to be the CEO of TikTok. I don't know what's going on with that. That's, I'm sure, ongoing as of Today's recording, I do not think that he has signed on to do anything formally with TikTok. But I love what he says, and I love this quote. He says, I'm 34, and I think I have a few more Instagrams in me time-wise. So again, there's that passion over pay. There are 13 people that are ready to join him at a moment's notice. <laughs> I guarantee you that if he thinks he's got another one in him. Oh, for sure. Maybe maybe 15 if you include the two of yeah, us. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> we, we both love working as Zoho, but I don't know, a billion dollars. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, just to summarize real quick, so what did he do that was so different that allowed Instagram to, to grow to over a billion dollars? Well, I really want to encourage everyone listening from the executives to the entrepreneurs to really try to take something out of what we talked today about Kevin Systrom and what he's done that's so unusual. He pursued passion over pay, and that really shines through through every decision that he made in Instagram, the passion of himself and the passions of the users that were using his platform. And he really looked at those under a microscope to develop and further develop everything on Instagram's platform. Everything on that platform serves a particular purpose for his customers and serves his most passionate customer base. And secondly, I want to encourage you to keep things simple. As we saw, he never expanded past mobile. He boiled Instagram down purely to photography and photograph sharing. And as he continued to grow the company, he really focused on how can he make this one feature, this one thing, photos and photograph sharing, even better. And if you focus on just those things alone, I, I think we'll all have a lot of success. That was really interesting. Thanks for that, Arun. Um, I think in honor of Kevin, I will mindlessly scroll my Instagram feed tonight while uh, watching TV or doing something else, maybe post what I'm eating for dinner. Well, in honor of Kevin Systrom, I'll go ahead and have a nice glass of bourbon. <laughs> that sounds great. Business Unusual is brought to you by Zoho, an enterprise platform that adapts to your company. From sales, marketing, and customer support to finance, human resources, and a low-code developer platform, Zoho software solutions address virtually every area of business. Go to zoho.com slash enterprise today and discover a refreshingly different way of doing business.